Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 206 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. And when you get your team every single day, you get me every single day, for better or for worse. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I am joined, as always, by the incomparable active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, how are you doing on this decidedly fall Sunday in here. It's been a beautiful day and I want to shout out my friends who joined me for a picnic and uh, my sister and I made cupcakes so I learned how to make Guinness cupcakes with Bailey's icing so I'm full on into fall even though it's still technically summer we had like it was a, a chilly but sunny day it was beautiful and now I'm drinking a pumpkin pale ale which uh, I guess we'll talk about in the coming weeks. We'll talk about some more fall beers because I'm sure people will ask us in our mailbag. And speaking of the mailbag, if you want to learn how to make Guinness cupcakes or Bailey's Irish cream icing, uh, you can ask the mailbag and Laura will ask her sister and then we will give you your answer. <laughs> if you want to ask me about beer as I'm in the middle of panicking about a certification exam, do that as well. Send all your questions to at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. We pushed back the mailbag due to much more prominent things that had to be discussed with the NHL players protesting and postponing the games to fight racial injustice that's happening in the U.S. So we are going to do that this week. We want your mailbag questions, so please send us anything and everything. We'd love to hear from you. And we are starting this week with a bit of Canadians-related news, sort of, I guess, in that the NCAA is allowing players of a certain age to leave their team in case their season is canceled and play junior hockey without losing their eligibility, which sounds delightful for Canadians fans as multiple Habs prospects have their rights owned by CHL teams. Cole Caulfields are owned by Sault Ste. Marie. Jaden Strubles are owned by the Blainville Boisbriand Armada. And I believe... If I remember this correctly, Jordan Harris's rights are owned by Valdor, which means they'd have two prospects in the queue and one in the OHL. However, that comes with a caveat. When the NCAA says junior hockey, they mean junior A. So underneath the NCAA, which I believe is like the USHL or something like that. And Cole Caulfield's rights are owned by a team there, but the USHL is a large step down from the NCAA, and I was very excited on Twitter because I thought, well, guess what? If he can't play in the NCAA this year, if he goes to Sault Ste. Marie, that's a great program in the OHL, and the OHL is a very competitive league. It's about the best possible step that he could get if he wants to continue his development if there's no NCAA hockey this year. And so... I guess now his choices would be wait it out and see if there is going to be NCAA hockey because we still don't know the answer to that, right? Yes, it's up in the air right now, but teams are allowing contingency plans, which seems to be the case. And now I've seen a lot of fans go, well, why doesn't he just go to Europe and and get on a team there? It's like it, it's not easy for a kid who is 19 years old, 18, 19 years old to just go, hi. I'd like to play on your team now, and they put him in the lineup. That's literally not how this works, especially when many of the big clubs in Sweden and Finland have began their own training camps and preseason hockey. They're not going to make room for a kid who won't who has to quarantine for 14 days 
get approval to go to Europe to play hockey and then potentially have to come back anyways? Why would you make place in your lineup for a, a guess, if anything, if they're going to be there? And a lot of people said, well, he should just join the NHL. And it's like, well, easier said than done. If he could join the NHL, he would have. Clearly, he wants to continue developing and he wanted to finish his education is what it sounded like. It's a very weird situation because we don't know what lies ahead. The NCAA could come back and say, yes, these leagues are able to play in front of no fans, but they will be playing and none of this matters. But if they cancel, then things get very complicated for the Canadians and they get complicated for Cole Caulfield, who has to make a humongous decision. It's not exactly a light choice to decide to have to, you know, not continue your education in the NCAA and going pro before you meant or before you wanted to. And we need to point out that in talks with the Canadians back in February, March, just before COVID hit, uh, the decision was made for him to stay in the NCAA for a reason. Like if the Canadians thought he was ready to come up, ready to play in the AHL or the NHL, they would have strongly suggested it. They agreed and they like both sides agreed to the NCAA decision. So I don't see, I don't see any way that Cole Caulfield would have just played in the NHL. Like people are talking about it. It's like the Canadians got really lucky with in the playoffs with Suzuki and Kotkaniemi taking those massive steps forward, but that's not everybody. And so, you know, and, and we, we talked about it. Cole Caulfield has a lot of work to do on defense and growing as well, uh, bulking up, I guess. So that's not, that's not something that the Canadians saw in his very immediate future, because if they did, the decision would have been made a different way back in the spring or winter. Yeah. If they wanted him, if they really wanted to push him into turning pro, they probably would have, but they're taking their time because they know how big of a role he can play for the Canadians coming up. He's their crown jewel in the prospect pool right now. He is that piece that they want to get the most out of. And it it was surprising last year that both Ryan Paling and Caden Primo turned pro at the same time. We expected one, but we didn't expect the other. If Cole Caulfield now were to announce that he's turning pro, I don't think it'd be because he wants to, but because it's that or he doesn't play competitive hockey for a while. And that's going to hurt his development more than anything else in the world. And speaking of draft picks and prospects and, you know, building up the prospect pool, there was some news around the NHL at the end of last week, specifically surrounding the Coyotes and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we're going to get into that in a second. But first, Laura and I want to talk to you about something very near and dear to our hearts and stomachs and, I guess, muscles, because these are the best protein bars that we've ever had. They are from the wonderful folks at Built Bar. That is BuiltBar.com. And they are, have been a game changer to put it quite, to put it in no uncertain terms. They're fantastic on the road to work in the morning. Now that gyms are starting to reopen after the gym on our hikes. And I know Laura, when she's been working from home, you said you've had them to help replace a meal in the morning if you don't have time for breakfast, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I, and I'm sure that a lot of people who are currently working from home have the same, same feeling is that you just like your day goes by and you realize that you haven't structured it around a meal. So like I'll have built bars for breakfast sometimes or for lunch or both because they've got so much protein that they keep you nice and satiated and they're good for you. It's not like you're putting a ton of sugar in your body. And they, even though there's not, you're not putting a ton of sugar in, which is a good thing. 
They taste like a candy bar with flavors like German chocolate and peanut butter and mint brownie, toffee almond, and new flavors like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake. There's something for everyone in here, and I can't wait to get my hands on the apple almond one. It's fall as heck outside right now, and I am super excited for this, and we want to share that with you. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your next order. So that's $10 off your first order, and if you go and hurry quickly, you can get a free cooler with your purchase as well. That's promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com. Save yourself $10, grab yourself a free cooler, and some incredible protein bars. Tastes like a candy bar with all the benefits of a protein bar. You can't go wrong with Built Bar, folks. So, the Arizona Coyotes done goofed, and so did the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they're somehow not related to each other. And I guess we'll start with the Arizona Coyotes, who have been stripped of a second-round pick in this year's draft and a first-round pick in the 2021 draft for violating the physical fitness testing rules surrounding the draft combine. And I'm kind of wondering... How hard is it to, you know, not physically test prospects before the combine? And how were you so blatantly obvious about it that you got caught? Like, for someone who was supposed to be a very smart GM, this was a very dumb move by John Chaka because it's not even his team anymore, but they're down their first round pick this year because it was in the Taylor Hall trade. They're down their second round pick this year. If Hall resigns, they're down a third, another one next year. And they're down a first-round pick next year. For a team that struggled mightily in the playoffs this year, this is a huge blow to that team. And they're going to be looking to get some kind of draft capital back this year. they got to be looking at a team like Montreal who has all those second-round picks and figuring out what can we give you to give us some draft capital back. And my first thought is someone like Nicholas Chalmerson, who plays left and right defense and is a humongous defensive driver, or there's some young prospect that we're looking at. The Coyotes are very much adrift at sea looking for a life preserver, and now's the Canadian's time to shine, kind of. This is when you pull off one of Mark Bergevin's trademark fleecings, is this team is swimming in shark-infested waters. Go out there, Mark. Do what you can do. And, Laura, I'm curious is it kind of mean to like kick a team while they're down and just take more stuff from them? Or is this kind of like, well, you shouldn't have done that. This is your fault kind of situation. I think it's a bit of both because if they need something from you, you're, you're overcharging them. Essentially, you're still giving them what they need, but you are taking advantage of your position or their position really. uh, And, and, and just overcharging them. And I don't think that, you know, I think that that's how sports trades often happen is that I'm, I'm sure that the Canadians are not the only team that are having these thoughts. It's just that the Canadians have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft. And the thing that wasn't clear to me was the Coyotes lost that, like the draft, the draft pick that was theirs, but they can still trade for another one. So they can still take somebody else's. They just have to give something up. So part of the punishment is if they want to have a pick, they need to give something that they already have up, right? Yeah, that's the thing is they can get draft capital and move back into the first round, but their picks this year and next year cease to exist. When they're taken away, 
everyone slides up a spot. So whatever the, which is going to be really interesting because what happens if the Coyotes are terrible next year and they end up in what would be the first overall spot? Are, is their ball just not in the lottery machine then and someone else gets to fill in? Like, there's a lot of chaos that can go with this, which makes me very happy because chaos and hockey are delightful. But they, if this is a team that made the playoffs this year, wants to prove they're better than what they were at, they got to do something and you can't sit here and watch the first two rounds of the draft go by and not do anything. Montreal has three second round picks and they have needs. They need scoring help. They need, you know, some help on the defensive left side. They need a backup goalie. There's so much that Montreal could do with Arizona to make this work, but it all depends on what Mark Bergevin is thinking, which knowing him, it's something small for like a third round pick, but regardless, the Coyotes are kind of there to, you know, be picked apart at for now. And before anyone suggests trading the 16th overall pick, the Phil- the Philadelphia Flyers, they are currently playing the Islanders, by the way. And we will get to our smugness rankings at the end of this episode. <laughs> um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Toronto Maple Leafs made a swap where initially Jack Johnson's name was mentioned and all of hockey Twitter collectively crapped their pants because it's the most chaotic possible solution ever that would have burnt Twitter to the ground. But Kasperi Kapanen, Pontus Auberg, and Jesper Lindgren go to the Penguins for a first-round pick, which was 15th overall. Um, David Warsawski, uh, Philip Hollander, and then I believe there was some other, and Evan Rodriguez. And basically the Leafs get a pretty good high-end prospect and a first-round pick for a middling forward. If the Canadians are looking to trade 16th overall, you have to do better than getting whatever Kasperi Kapanen is worth to you because the Canadians have roughly 7 billion middle six forwards right now, and they don't need another one. Laura, seeing the return that they got from Pittsburgh, is Montreal trading 16th overall really worth it if they're getting Kasperi Kapanen and two AHL-level players back worth it? Honestly, at this point, I think that in the immediate aftermath of the trade, everybody was like, what is Pittsburgh doing? I would have asked for more. Honestly, I would have like Kasperi Kapanen. He, he's fine, but he, he he didn't seem to be something that Pittsburgh needed, first of all. And the other thing, too, is that like that's not the guy, you know, like they, they keep talking about how they've still got to keep trying to win while uh, they still have Crosby and Malkin. And that's totally fair. And Chris Letang. I keep forgetting Chris Letang. And that's totally fair. But that's not how you do it. Like right now they have some leverage because. I would think that they're wanting to get rid of Murray, keep Jerry, Tristan Jerry, and you can still get a decent return for Matt Murray at this point. I think he could be somebody's one one B. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not suggesting him for Mont- for Montreal for very specific reasons, but you know, he can be somebody else's one B. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I just feel like the question was like, I don't know what Pittsburgh was doing. So like, if you're if you're Montreal right now. You're kind of annoyed at Pittsburgh because you would have wanted a better return for that pick. Yeah, the return is underwhelming, and I don't want to do that if I'm Montreal, who still needs picks and prospects. This playoff run was nice, but don't lose sight that this team needs to continue retooling. And holding on to 16, unless you get a hell of a package from whatever team is looking, 
you have to do better than getting Kasperi Kapanen, Jesper Lindgren, and Pontus Aberg. It, it, it's as simple as that. You have to do better than that. And speaking of the Canadians playoff run, the teams that are left, things are not going quite how we expected overall. And Laura and I are going to kind of bask in our smug pettiness and rank how we're feeling and discuss our smugness about the remaining playoff series. And we're going to do that in our final segment. As we said at the top of this episode as well, if you want to send in your mailbag questions for Monday night's recording, that's the day you are listening to this episode in your ear holes, I hope at least. (laughs) We are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Please send us all of your questions and thoughts. We want to hear from you. It has been a very long weekend, and we would very much like to hear what is on your mind because now you're going to hear what is on my mind, and it's that the Boston Bruins are down three games to one, and I love every second of it because I would like to drink the tears collectively of the Boston Bruins because I think it would give me just long-lasting immortal life. I honestly thought that it would go very differently. I thought Tampa was going to do one of their trademark underwhelming collapsiness. I don't, I don't even think it was a collapse as much as it was just a non-existence last year in the playoffs. They got swept in four games in the first round by... A team that wasn't even that good. Uh, so I, I truly thought this would go differently, especially since for much of this season, through even with all their problems, we thought that Boston was a contender for the cup. We truly did. And, and, you know, even in the round robin, we were wondering, like, something's not right with these guys. And now it's, it's, it's become really clear. And it's sort of, to me, I, I find it a little bit annoying that the Canadians ended up losing to the Flyers just because I feel like they would have had a shot against at least Boston. Yeah, I, and the thing is, it's not all on Yaroslav Halak, but at the same time, he hasn't been playing to the same level that um, Tuka Rask has been, and that's hurting the Bruins. And speaking of the Bruins, Nick Ritchie didn't get suspended for shoving a dude head first into the boards for some reason, and... There's a Department of Player Safety rant to be had later this week, but not on today's episode. The Lightning look good, and they look like they really took last year and some of the scares they had against Columbus in round one and went, no, nuh-uh, we're not doing this again right now. Like, we're not going to have, because eventually this core is going to have to be broken up and moved around to keep signing new pieces to keep the team fresh, and you want to win with that, and it's... They're going to do what they can. Steve Eiserman did a lot of good work with them, but he's gone now. Eventually, cap space does run out, and they're going to have to get even more creative or start trading pieces. So I think they want to, you know, get some guys some championships before they're forced to say goodbye because they built the, you know, foundation of this team. And speaking of teams that are down 3-1 and games I didn't expect that had, you know, ramifications due to starting goalies leaving, uh, Dallas won 5-4 today and leads the Colorado Avalanche three games to one. And looking at how good Colorado was in round one and during the regular season, I knew Dallas had the ability to be good. I didn't think they'd really have taken it this hard to Colorado so early. And Philip Grubauer's injured, so Pavel Fransos is in net for the Avalanche. But at the same time, Anton Hudobin's the starting goalie for the Stars. Ben Bishop hasn't played, I think, since the second game of the round-robin tournament or whatever it might have been. 
The Stars are scary good. They started scoring a lot at the right time, and we're like three weeks away from a potential Dallas Stars, New York Islanders, Stanley Cup final, and I don't really know how I feel about that. I think it'd be really cool, actually. I don't I don't really care all that much about either one of these teams. I, I, I always thought that the Islanders were boring and that the Stars always had, like, one fatal flaw. Like, it was either, like, they score a lot, that their defense is terrible, or their goaltending is terrible, or whatever. And even coming into the playoffs, including the round robin, I feel like they had a seven-game losing streak, if I am not mistaken. And so I didn't expect a whole lot from them, but this is really cool. Just the way that they're destroying everybody. It, it's kind of sad that it comes at the expense of the abs because the abs are also pretty exciting. They'd be some, you know, they'd be a cool team to follow, but I just, uh, you know, a Dallas Stars, Islanders, Stanley Cup final, bring it on. And, and the Islanders too, you know, people expected them to be boring, but they haven't been. They have become a different team in the playoffs. Guys like Tyler Sagan have woken up. Alexander Radulov remains amazing. John Kligberg and Miro Heiskanen are playing out of their minds. And you wonder, where the hell was this Stars team all year? Why are they just coming awake now? I mean, hot teams win the Stanley Cup. That's how it works. And with I'm regardless of who wins the series, they're going to have earned it. Dallas is either going to have beaten the crap out of the avalanche and won the series handedly, or Colorado is going to come back from this deficit and somehow win. And that's scary because Nathan McKinnon is good as hell, and he's going to have that motivation to come back and try to win this. And finally, the last game in the East that's playing right now, it is tied 0-0 at the first intermission, but the Islanders lead two games to one over the Philadelphia Flyers. And I have a question for Flyers fans. Is it hard to win games when your opponent's defenders aren't scoring on their own goalie? I can hang up and listen if you want to tell me. <laughs> because I'm I'm noticing you're having trouble scoring goals regularly without Ben Chirot kicking the puck into his own net. Now tell me, guys, is it hard? Is, does it suck to play a defensive team that doesn't want to do anything except strangle your will to live while your stupid, smug coach chews gum on the bench and says dumb crap in press conferences? Anyways, the Flyers are losing two games to one in this series, and I feel very happy about that. And I'm not even an Islanders fan in the slightest because I find their style of hockey also boring and detestable but they're playing a team that I find boring and detestable across the board because we just played them. And I don't quite know how to process this level of whatever it is I'm feeling. It's called pettiness. It's petty. It's petty AF. (laughs) (laughs) It is very much. And of note, Claude Giroux still pretty invisible and Flyers fans are not happy about that. And I got to say, if you guys are willing to like trade him to. Yeah, I'll take him. to Montreal, number 28's available. Like we, we got rid of Marco Scandella. He, he can have his number. His <laughs> locker's barely even used. And yeah, even though he is, despite having the name Claude Giroux, he's from Hearst, Ontario, which is not Quebec, is, at least as far as I'm concerned anyways. Laura, what are your feelings on this? Because clearly I am kind of relevant, or, you know, reveling? Reveling, yes. Yeah, that's the right word. In, You're in the Flyers, in, in the Flyers fans' panic right now about this. I I did not expect so much panic from the Flyers fans during the Canadian series either. 
Uh, I will say that based on my watching of the Flyers, like they are not able to play to their level. But it is interesting to see that this is not this is really not the good time to to not play well, right? Uh, but you know, the, Flyers fans are not super notorious for turning on individual players. I feel like they they are more of the genre to boo their own team as a whole or turn on their whole team as a whole. But every once in a while, like people talk about stripping Claude Giroux of the captaincy, of trading him, whatever. This guy is still like one of the best players in the league. And the reason that he's invisible is the reason that any top line player normally is invisible in the playoffs is that the opponent is effectively shutting them down. And that's a coaching failure as much as it is, you know, it's, it's not on the player usually. It's usually a player that the, the coach hasn't come up with an idea to free him, you know, to spring him, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, if Flyers fans have turned on Claude Giroux and think he doesn't need to be the captain of the Flyers, like I am, I, I, you know, like we said, Montreal is a great place for him. While he is from Hearst, Ontario, he is a Franco-Ontarian. And so it will add to the number of French-Canadian players on this team. And that's something that, for whatever reason, matters in this market. Yeah, there is a lot that could go wrong for this Flyers team. Their team is clearly very good. I'm not taking that away from them, but something in these playoffs has just not clicked for them. And it's strange because we've seen what happens when the Flyers are running on full, you know, a full tank of gas during the regular season. And now they're just not, whether it was the break or they're playing injured or something, something there just isn't clicking. And right now, while I'm still, you know, wallowing in my pettiness about this, it is very strange to see. And when they're eliminated, I will probably move on to just making fun of the Canucks or the Bruins or Something. I don't really know. I'll find a new target to be annoyed with for some reason. Uh, that is going to draw an end to our episode. As we said at the top of the show, we want your mailbag questions and you can find our account on Twitter to send them to at LO underscore Canadians. You can send them to lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. I am at Scott Matlon on Twitter and you can find Laura at the active stick. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to your daily shows, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.